So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the Life You Deserve podcast. My name is Dr. Jill Barham and today, oh my goodness, the tables have been turned on me. Uh, So this is a uh, first part of two recordings that were made in a webinar that was um, I was asked to do by my lovely friend, my holistic therapist and acupuncturist, Sally Varley who is, uh, like me, a specialist in the menopause, but she is also a hormone and fertility specialist as well. And uh, she knew that my menopause story has been long and protracted and quite complicated. Um, And what she wanted to do was to uh, give her particular audience the opportunity to hear um, the kind of twists and turns and the way that I have managed Uh, these probably 15 years of my particular life and my experience with perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause. So it was quite a long interview. So I have broken this down into two parts. And uh, this is the first part. I hope you enjoy. For you who don't know me, I'm Sally Varley. I'm an acupuncturist and women's health coach. And my specialty is helping women to balance their hormones and naturally manage menopause. And this evening, I've brought in my good friend, Dr. Jill Barham, who I have known for the last six or seven years. She is a former nurse. She's a Pilates teacher. She works in the functional medicine field. And she's an absolute font of knowledge. And she's got a very interesting menopausal story to share with you all. And we were just chatting the other day and we decided that it would be a great idea to do this webinar because we know that so many of you are suffering with hot flushes, um, maybe having to leave your jobs, um, not able to sleep, gaining weight, um, perhaps you're getting fobbed off by the doctor. Um, There's a lot of information out there, it is quite confusing and we are constantly updating what we know works. Over to you, Jill. Hello, Sally. Thank you, darling. It's really nice to see you as always. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know why we've not had this conversation before, really. <laughs> well, we've not had it online. We've kind yeah. of had private conversations, but we've not really, um, we've not really had one uh, between the two of us. So, uh, yeah, so I'm just to say that I'm not a medical doctor. I do have a nursing background. It's a recognition type thing, an honorary doctorate, just to get that out of the way, first of all. But um, as I say, I do have a medical background and I've been interested in working with functional nutrition for many, many years. Um, and so this is a you know real big passion of mine. So anyway, so we were, I think we had a bit of a catch up, you know, with the, we're in lockdown at the moment, aren't we? And so you've been kind of ensconced with your little chap for a few weeks and I haven't really been able to talk to you. So we had a bit of a catch up. Um, And as you said, we thought we might just talk about my own personal journey because like you, I spend a lot of time helping other women, when menopausal women, midlife women deal with their hormones and navigate through this tricky time in their lives. Um, But actually sometimes we, don't really talk about ourselves and our own experience of that and it's true isn't it that you know most of us work with people that have experienced or are experiencing the things that we've experienced ourselves because that makes sense it's what we know about 
Um, so really, I just wanted to be kind of open and out there and um, just give people my own, um, a little bit of the story of my own journey. Yeah, and it's great to be able to draw on your experience because I'm actually, um, I will be 46 this year. And so far, I don't really consider that I have any symptoms of menopause yet. So um, maybe a little bit of brain fog, I will confess to. <laughs> forgetting the odd name, <laughs> forgetting why I went upstairs, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I still have a completely regular cycle. I've never had a hot flush yet, thank goodness. Um, I don't have any problems sleeping. So, you know, it, in some respects, um, I have a lot of knowledge about things that help with menopause and um you know in in the natural world and nutritional supplements and giving treatments and things but um i'm just sort of on the cusp of moving into that time so it being able to speak to somebody like you who's really you've been through a lot i know you have so um I know it's going to be really interesting for the viewers to hear about what's happened in the last 15 years for you. Yeah. Yes, it is. And indeed, um, what's really interesting is that, you know, I'm kind of the archetypal woman, really, in that I remember my first flush. I was 39 at the time and I was standing in a queue in Tesco's in Peter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, living the dream <laughs> living the dream um and i remember that first one thinking oh my goodness now the thing about as we know about menopause and symptoms is that this is very much a roller coaster so just because you have a flush doesn't mean that that's kind of the beginning of the end um, and it probably was a long time before i had another one but i do vividly remember that that was the first one and i didn't really understand then um, the implications of uh, what menopause meant, I didn't really know. My mother died when I was only 28 years old and she was 56. She had a, a hysterectomy at 42, 43, something like that. So even in those years, in my teenage years, I wasn't able to ask her about her menopausal journey because she'd been thrown into early menopause, uh, which I didn't know anything about. I didn't, uh, it's only subsequently that I realised that even though she, they were so young, they, she'd actually had a total abdominal hysterectomy where they removed the ovaries as well. So looking back now, I think, oh my goodness, they would have thrown her headlong into early menopause without any support at all. Mm. Um, and my mother suffered really badly with depression and all sorts of anxiety problems. She became agoraphobic. You know, she um, developed uh, a massive cyst she had uh, skin cancer she was suicidal at times you know from that moment onwards her life kind of spiraled down until she died very very suddenly at 56 mm. so i have no point of reference here no and also you at 39 you're not going to be thinking oh i'm entering perimenopause because that's early i mean most most the average age is 45 sort yeah. of mid 40s when your cycle might start to go a bit irregular and what people watching may not know is that um doctors don't even really test for menopause there isn't really a test because if you're having an irregular cycle and hot flushes and maybe um things are drying up a bit and perhaps some loss of energy or problem sleeping maybe increased anxiety those are the sort of symptoms that 
allow a GP to say, yes, you're probably in perimenopause. But, the, you know, the, the hormones are going up and down all the time. They don't just go down on this nice steady decline, do they? So, um, no, and it's like a snapshot. You know, that blood test is a snapshot of that moment. In yeah. the same way, it's a snapshot of that moment for your um, statin levels, for your blood sugar levels. It is literally that moment. And none of us are in that, stas that stasis at yeah. um, It's the same with your thyroid tests. You know, there are much better ways of um that, that our bodies are indicating to us um nowadays you know gps are not testing unless you're under the age of 45 for hormone levels but as you say how reliable are they and actually what difference does it make because mm. really what we're looking at here is the alleviation of symptoms mm. of those things that are getting in your way mm. and to say you know from that moment onwards I don't remember having any other symptoms particularly. I remember my 40s, my early 40s, actually were the happiest time. I remember feeling really uh, confident and I looked really good. You know, I was the slimmest I probably have ever been in my 40s. Uh, I suppose my eldest child was then about 12 and my youngest would have been seven something like that so you're just coming out of that age of being super physically involved in your children and running mm -hmm. around after them so it was a really good time um until <laughs> um i think it was the christmas when i was 44 or 45 i can't remember which side of this it was and i was on holiday um it was either christmas or new year i think with my very best friend and as only best friends do <laughs> she looked at me and she said your belly's sticking out a little bit. What's that about? And I went, what do you mean? <laughs> and she said, well, well, just, you know, just not like you kind of thing. And I, I didn't think any more about it other than, oh, typical, you know, thanks. Yeah. For that. yeah. Um, and in the January, I went back to my regular Pilates class and I now teach body control Pilates and I've been doing Pilates for uh, probably about five or six years at this point. And Sarah, my Pilates teacher, who you know, she's part of, we're part of her team. She said, oh, put your hand low down on your belly. And uh, as you uh, do this particular move, you'll feel, you know, your belly will dip slightly. And there was no dip. In fact, there was quite a little lump when I put my, you know, it was, it was, it was a bit of a lump. I thought it was a bit odd. Mm. Um, and about a few days later, I felt again, and I still feel this lump. Um, and it was definitely a little kind of mound. So I made an appointment with the doctors. Uh, it was a lady doctor. And I said, look, I think, um, I think I might have a fibroid. I mean, as an ex-nurse, I've probably got a little bit more insight into things. Uh, I said, I'm, getting, I'm having some symptoms. It feels all a bit full and a bit weird down there. And my bowel habits have changed a bit. And she said, oh, no, it's probably nothing to do with your uterus. She said, it's probably to do with your, your bowel. And I said, well, well, no, I don't think so. Um, and she said, all right, well, we'll just check that first. And sure enough, she did an internal. And she said, oh, <laughs> You've got a mass in there. Um, I'd better send you, which is, it feels quite big. Um, I'd better send you and have a scan. So this was in the January, very early January. My husband was, um, we had private health insurance at that point. And so I was seen really, really quickly. And essentially I had a massive fibroid. Um, by the time, uh, I think when I arrived, it was kind of the size of a grapefruit. Um, by the time it came out, which was only about six weeks later, it was the size of a melon. Wow. 
Um, and when they did the internal scan, they did actually comment, um, oh, there's nothing much going on in your ovaries. That's what they said to me. So they saw no follicles. It all looks very quiet. So that kind of indication that I'd had at 39 actually meant that probably I had been going through the perimenopause at that, that point. My estrogen levels were falling. I wasn't getting the follicle, follicle stimulating hormone. I wasn't producing, which is really scary, particularly for somebody like you, Sal, who, you know, you had Craig when you were, what, 41? Um, 39. 39. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know that a lot of ladies are leaving, you know, and even my own daughters, um, you know, and, grand, and partners, you know, my son's partner, they're going to be tempted to leave having their babies later. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it's no wonder that we've got massive problems with infertility, because I was just really normal. And here I was at 45 with virtually no, nothing going on in my own ovaries and a, mm -hmm. a, a Yeah. So um, should we just explain to the viewers that um, this is how a GP will test if you're going into early menopause, that if you do, uh, because it kind of works on a feedback loop that your hypothalamus sends a message to your ovaries every month to say, give us some eggs. And if it doesn't get any answer, it goes back going, no, nothing here. And then it will kind of shout louder and it will send more of this follicle stimulating hormone. So those levels will be high. That's called FSH. And um, if you have high levels of FSH when you're in your early 40s, um, that could indicate that you're already perimenopausal and that your estrogen levels have dropped yeah um, um, so i didn't need a blood test because they you know they could obviously yeah, they see. Could, yeah. So by the time um i had it i had the hysterectomy on february the 14th it was really really quick but they just took my i negotiated and they just literally took my womb but having said that um like a lot of women when it's all disturbed down there. Um, yeah. It very often does push you into an early menopause. It's not as extreme mm. as if you have a total bilateral salpingoephrectomy when your ovary is removed, but there was definitely this knock-on effect. Um, and so I came out of hospital, unfortunately, um, my consultant didn't tell me to do that, but my GP um, prescribed some Everol HRT patches, some estrogen-only patches. So basically, if you have your ovaries removed, um, you don't have to take progesterone. You, you, you can have HRT, but just in estrogen form. Mm -hmm. So I started using estrogen patches twice a week just to kind of uh, keep me on an even keel. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of okay. Um, I recovered. It took me a while to recover from the operation because I'd already had three cesarean sections so actually the operation itself was very traumatic because basically I had lots of adhesions, you know, I always said they should have just put a zip. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just put a zip in the first yeah. time. They might have gone Yeah, that's right. It would have been. Yeah. Um, so it did take me a long time. I was on the table for a long time uh, because ordinarily you can get in really quickly, but when there's lots of old scars in the way, Mm. It, the operation for me was a much bigger and grander mm. affair mm. but eventually I did recover and I was on my HRT and then I don't know if you won't remember this style but there was a big scare story about HRT mm -hmm. you know women are dying of breast cancer it's estrogen led 
nobody should be taking HRT, wicked, wicked, wicked. And so many people, including me, uh, and all GPs were very concerned about it. And I stopped taking HRT. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how long I was on it, maybe 18 months, maybe two years. Uh, my memory is appalling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that moment onwards, I was basically unsupported. Um, in terms of estrogen, I didn't even, I wasn't even really aware of uh, what I should be doing or could be doing. I was working not in the nutritional industry or the health industry at the time. Um, and I was basically um, kind of struggling along <laughs> as a usual woman with three children and a husband. My husband was made redundant. Mm. Um, I was working in a job that kind of wasn't my passion. It was mm. my daughter's passion. It was a, an equestrian sport. And although I was good at my job, it wasn't my um, I was like a square peg in a round mm. hole. I think this is, if we can just back up a second, I think this is a really important point because, again, I think symptoms and life stages can get a bit blurry around mm. this time of our life. And sometimes, I mean, it's a bit like I get really annoyed if um, if I'm feeling frustrated say with my relationship and I'm premenstrual I never want to bring in the premenstrual bit because I think no I'm it could just be the relationship that's there's a problem and I need to sort it out do you know what I mean or that you know you might somebody might not be happy in their job and that's what's causing them anxiety and it's nothing to do with their hormones or something so I think sometimes it is a bit confusing trying to figure out you know what what is going on? It's... Yes, it absolutely was. And it's only in hindsight. You know, they say hindsight's a wonderful thing. Don't yeah. Looking yeah. back in hindsight, I could see that actually what I just assumed was my total decline, which I put down to my job and specifically to a boss that was, you know, we called her mismanagement, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't only me. It was a group. It was the whole team um, that was suffering. As you say, it was too easy to blame that. I just want to show you. So by 2012, we'd moved house. My husband had been made redundant, but had started his own uh, company. So I was supporting him with that. I was working part-time, being paid part-time, but actually was really working full-time. <laughs> um, it's very common. Yeah, very common scenario. Um, so there was all sorts of things going on. I was juggling. My youngest, my eldest daughter had gone away to university. She... She left in 2007 and I honestly thought that my heart would break. Aww. You know, the, the, I, I just didn't expect it. I did not expect the grief that I felt of the loss of her leaving home at 18. Um, you know, that empty nest thing. And it's not got any easier. <laughs> I'd like to tell you it has, but it hasn't. But she was the worst. The first one was the worst, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, with each subsequent one, it got slightly easier. But, you know, my youngest is now 25. Um, and the last time she went away, um, she keeps coming home, by the way. Um, but the last time she went away, I still have that moment when, you know, you go, I'd go into supermarket shopping was the worst for me. I'd go into a supermarket and go to pick up some grapes because that's her favorite food and realize oh, I don't need those because she's not here. Mm. And I remember time after time when I was on those moments when I would just have to leave the supermarket, I would leave my trolley and have to leave because I was so upset. Yeah. So all of that stuff was going on. 
Um, and so by the time I got to November the 1st on, in 2012, I ended up at the doctors and um, I went for a well woman check, uh, which you're supposed to have at 50. But because I was so busy, it took me a year to get there. <laughs> Sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually nearly 51 by the time I got there. And uh, I arrived that morning and I actually had a urinary tract infection. I hadn't had one of those for many, many years. Um, I was not sleeping. At my worst, I think I was getting half an hour sleep intervals. I was, I'd sleep for half an hour, wake up, sleep for half an hour, wake up. Um, I was feeling really low. My skin was bad. I put on two stone at least. Um, all sorts of things were happening. I couldn't function. It just... I, I, I can't tell you how awful I felt. And I walked up to this little lady who I hadn't seen for a while. She'd looked after us for many years as a family. You know, she was the nurse that inoculated my kids and, you know, did my dressings when I came out of the hospital and all those things. And uh, she looked at me, she said, oh, Jill, how are you? And, you know, it was the first time that somebody had asked me how I was mm. for a long time because I was the one that was looking after everybody else. And I just burst into tears. And I didn't know where it came from because I, I, I didn't realise that I wasn't okay until someone yeah. asked me, was I okay? Yeah. And she did all sorts of tests. My blood pressure was high. My cholesterol was high. Everything was out of kilter. And what was really scary about it was that at 51, my mother had all of the same symptoms that I did. Yeah, so you probably felt like you were just on this conveyor belt to the same end that she yeah met with and yeah pretty scary oh, really scary because I thought you know if I don't do something about this I've only got another five years potentially yeah I don't want to leave my children without a grandma because you know I really missed my mum when I had all my children you know yeah. as I say she didn't meet any of them so so this this actually is me um on Christmas day uh, so that's about six weeks later by then, I'd gone home and I'd kind of looked at everything. I don't know if, whether you've done this or those people that are listening, where you kind of do your pros and cons, mm. what's good, what's bad. And I came to the conclusion, as we've just said, that it's, it's all about work. It's just job. I, you know, it's stressful. I'd already had periods off work with stress because of this woman, which wasn't like me at all. Um, so I resigned from my job because I didn't see another way out. And I knew it was going to kill me. Um, and that was the moment that actually my life changed when I started then to take more notice of my own health and that of my son. Because one of the things that had happened to the summer was that my 20-year-old son had had a life-threatening disorder, which was attached to the fact that he has a very poor functioning gut. His, uh, he's he was diagnosed with IBS at 11, something like that. Um, and so I became very interested in why he developed this life-threatening illness. And of course, then I had a vested interest in looking after myself too. So by this day, I'd actually um, started singing around the house again, even though I look, <laughs> I don't look great. My, I've still got a lot of inflammation in my face. I don't know if you can see from the photograph, mm -hmm. red in my face. Yeah. Sure sign of inflammation is the, a sure sign of dis-ease. Um, but in the January, that's when really I was helped by Sarah, and this is how I met you, uh, with a program that kind of helped me to really reset my gut, and I did it with my son as well. Um, 
so that was in the January and then by February the 24th which was my son's 21st birthday this is how I looked such an amazing difference and you just I mean obviously in the first picture you can't rip you can't see your face or your expression that well in your eyes but you're just glowing in the second one yeah it's more about how I felt than how I looked hmm. to be honest and of course you and I know and some of your listeners will know that you know there is a massive relationship between the gut and the brain access and you know my son one of he he has had periods of real doom and gloom and still does if his if his gut's not functioning well then he's you know he takes himself off because he's in this massive low mood and he used to say to his daddy when he was a little boy daddy I've got a big black cloud over my head yeah. and I didn't understand that at the time yeah but then when you and I started working with um, functional nutrition and understanding particularly how the gut influences our mental health of course now I do understand and this is what drove me to really look at how we could use food as medicine mm -hmm. yeah and so for the people listening it's basically because um, a neurotransmitter and hormone called serotonin about 70% of it is made in the gut so if your gut health is out of whack, which most people's is, then you're just not making that hormone that makes you feel good. So it's really as straightforward as that. Yeah. So it looks rosy, doesn't it? Doesn't it look great? Yeah. <laughs> and for a while it was. Um, but then the menopausal symptoms started coming in. Um, so bearing in mind that I was 51 by now. And so although I started my own business and I was very happy doing that and I, you know, I've done amazing things you know I've run my own tv show I now run my own podcast I've written books and contributed to books I've spoken on stages um you know I've uh, I run in retreats for women and um I'm a speaker coach and you know life's amazing but I've struggled really badly with menopausal symptoms as they've crept up and they've been so insidious that actually you know every day or every month or every year it's almost like it's like my new norm mm. so it was so difficult to really understand the difference between what I was like maybe three years ago or five years ago yeah that I, I, mean, I, know, I know when I met you six years ago um, I think your at the time your most debilitating symptom was hot flushes yeah. And I remember you telling me I sometimes even have to like pull the car over and stop driving if I, if I get one when I'm driving, which is quite scary, really, because, yeah. you know, we we both live in the countryside and the roads aren't always that busy. But if you're if you were somewhere, you know, powering down a motorway and, and you felt that bad and you had to pull over, that's that's quite. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how I forgot. Thank you for reminding me because for years and years and years, I would have a flush and I'd be madly turning up all the air in the car and turning yeah. on the thermostat and opening the windows because I'd, it was just completely overwhelming and claustrophobic. Mm. Of course, at night time, I would be absolutely drenched. And as, even if my husband touched me with a finger, I would be completely drenched, oh. particularly here. Yeah. Um, and this went on for years and years and years. And eventually I did find um, some hops based uh, products that a friend of mine introduced me to, which um, 
did definitely help. And of course, we then were introduced to the Microbiome Reset Program, the Purify Program about three years ago. Um, and you and I have been working with that and we get amazing results from yeah. that, don't we? Uh, who's, you know, their hot flushes go and their sleep gets better and their skin get better. Mm -hmm. um, and I can do that for other people, but I still wasn't on top of it completely for myself. And eventually what happened was uh, there was one symptom that was just a kind of step so far. In fact, it reminds me, I'm going to read the symptom because for the ladies that are watching, or even if there are some gents watching, because they really need to understand what this is like. Yeah. <laughs> so when I do a talk, um, of course, a lot of women are very shy about, you know, they don't, we don't talk about it enough. I think we talk about it more than we ever used to. At least we don't call it the change anymore. Yeah. Um, so we are a bit more open, but a lot of people aren't. So I start off by saying, okay, um, uh, so raise your hand or stand up if you have night sweats, hot flushes in the daytime. So hot flushes are just daytime night sweats. Insomnia, so inability to sleep. Headaches or migraines, very common. Menstrual issues, so as you described. Now, because I'd had a hysterectomy, of course, I didn't know when the last day of my period was because I had a hysterectomy at 45. So that complicates massive things massively. Dry skin, palpitations. So that was a big one for me. My heart racing at night. Yeah. Oh my goodness me. Aches and pains. Aches and pains is much more common than I realised, particularly in the hands and feet. Mm -hmm. Bladder -ish issues, either getting re repeated urinary tract infections or leaking. Yeah. So those are the kind of physical symptoms. But then what I do is I have a little bit of fun and I say, okay, so have you ever felt like this? Because I certainly did at times. Feeling like you've been hit by a bus, that life's a struggle, that sometimes you just can't be bothered. Massive mood swings. Uh, somebody saying to you, you've changed. So that could be a partner or maybe your children. Mm -hmm. Sometimes feeling you've got a black cloud over you. Questioning your sanity. Am I going mad? You know, which is why I call it yeah. mental mayhem. Yeah. Feeling invisible. Amazing how many women do that. And particularly women who are in the workplace when they've got these younger women around them and men and they're in a wonderful kind of uh, position of authority and, and knowing, but then all of a sudden the emphasis changes and they don't feel that they're being valued as much. Mm. You know, feeling invisible in the workplace. For me, it was feeling invisible in terms of, you know, all the focus went to my daughters, mm. which is okay, but it was also slightly weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it was, you know, the, it just, the, just the focus changed. It sounds a bit weird to say that. No, I get it because I think when you're not, if you're not feeling your best, you're less likely to make an effort with your appearance otherwise. Yeah. And, and I remember the same thing after I'd had my son and he was quite small and I was walking through town and some, you know, I, at the time I was not very fit, not, not very slim, probably didn't have any makeup on, mum clothes because they're yeah. getting mud or food or slobber on them. And I walked past some, some students and they, these guys did not 
I don't think they even knew I was there. No. I just, and that had never really happened before. I don't mean it like, oh, I'm so attractive. It's just, no, no. You, you are, you get noticed as a woman when you walk around and then suddenly one day you don't and you, it's a horrible feeling. It is, and it's like, it's like a switch actually. It's almost like one day you are and the next day you, you know, you're yeah. not. Um, yeah. So feeling panicky and anxious, you know, I, for example, I'd had a couple of nights where I was in a hotel room and I, I felt total claustrophobia and I couldn't open the window um, and I had real panic attacks. But I put that down to a situation rather than my hormones. Yeah. Um, as you say, can't remember why you went into the room. It won't be the first time that I've found my keys in the fridge. <laughs> uh, forgetting names, stopping mid-sentence. Uh, this is a big problem for women at work, which is why they lose their confidence at work because they're, they're giving a presentation and all of a sudden they get brain fog and they can't remember what they're saying and they're frightened of looking stupid or ignorant or, yeah. you know, constantly being tired. Oh my God, that's a big one. Particularly if you're like me and you've had chronic sleep issues for 13, well, actually, yeah, probably 13, 15 years. So I think I can count on my one hand sleeping um more than four hours in those 13 years mm, that's torture literally torture isn't it it's torture no libido oh you know you must be joking uh lack of confidence so i've always been a really confident person but actually so it's a big shock if you are suffering with lack of confidence um, this is an interesting one, not something that I've suffered with, but a lot of women avoid driving at night or they suddenly avoid driving on long journeys. Yeah. Confidence. Yeah, definitely aware of that in some of my clients and people I know. Yeah. Um, that massive emptiness thing. So, you know, for me, that's been huge. Even though I've had purpose and passion with something I'm doing, that whole thing about the kids going and yes of course I'm delighted that they're going off and making life for themselves of course I am um, and yes I've always done something else but there is this massive hole in your soul mm. um, and I you know I was talking to one of my new clients whose son moved to Australia and she just can't get over it you know it happened quite quickly I have to say that this COVID lockdown has been brilliant because I introduced her to Zoom, which is how we're recording this. And so she's now having regular conversations with him and her daughter on Zoom. Oh. A big benefit, you know, yeah. to her that she's connecting. Yeah. Um, so the sandwich generation, we're also the sandwich generation. So, of course, whilst all this was going on, I had teenagers going through A-levels, GCSEs. I had a high-performing athlete that was training and traveling the world and I was going with her and I had an elderly father mm -hmm. who was on his own obviously about six five six hours away from me you know so we're the first generation of women that have had to cope with this yeah um and then of course the big one was weight gain so gradually putting on weight not being able to lose weight particularly even when you know you use all the tricks that you've done before yeah. that's massive but the straw <laughs> broke the camel's back for me and i put up with for probably a year was vaginal atrophy so that was a bit of a cliffhanger leaving that episode on vaginal atrophy so this is um 
happens very commonly to a lot of women but isn't talked about so we are definitely going to cover this in the next episode in the second half of this conversation with Sally you do not want to miss it I'm going to be telling you exactly what I did and how my life has changed particularly dramatically in the last two or three months don't miss it <laughs>